And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. Here he is, Michael Savage. Ready to go on Rock and Roll Friday. There are so many stories that even I don't know where to begin, and I never said that. How many, how many things can I look at and say, where do I start? Let's start with this one. Uh, Jesse Jackson says Britain should apologize for slavery. I mean, this takes the cake. I guess the pickings have gotten pretty slim over here in the U.S. So you figure he'll try the uh, the weaklings over there in Britain, see if he can shake them down for a few pounds. Uh, the tree is uh, worn a little slim here. All of the uh, the greenbacks have dried up on the trees of America. So Jackson says Britain should apologize for slavery. Why doesn't he go to the heart of it all and say that Arabia, Saudi Arabia should apologize for slavery and try to shake them down. Why does he try to shake the shake the sheiks? Because they're the ones who engaged in the slave trade. Does he understand that? Or he realizes they're a little too tough for him. That the men made of granite with headscarves wouldn't put up with it for one second, while the men who uh, descend from men who wear white wigs and stockings will. Is that a story you want to talk about? Don't call me because I said everything I intend to say about this topic. Jesse Jackson, hear it from me. Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton are two of the biggest connivers I've ever seen in my life. Why do I say that? Because two weeks ago or 10 days ago, three black college students were executed by illegal aliens who cut the face off one of the children with a machete. They had nothing to say. Instead, they attacked radio talk show hosts and uh, Britain. I guess they're softer targets. Charging that ethnic minorities are still underrepresented in the British government and economy? So-called U.S. civil rights activist Jesse Jackson has called on the country to atone for its role. Oh, he's, he's touring Britain. Ah, he's touring Britain to launch a social initiative aimed at tackling. I can't read this anymore. Play the rock and roll again. I, I'm through with this story. Savage. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Middle East on the brink. North Korea on the brink. Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. President Bush on Wednesday compared the war in Iraq to other wars the United States has fought, like World War II, Korea, and Vietnam. The war in Iraq is an ideological struggle and part of the war on terror. Well, 
if it is so, Mr. Bush, why don't you just say uh, what the ideologues are? Why don't you just say the world of freedom, which is ours with all of its flaws and the world of Islamic fascism with none of its goodness, because there is no goodness in Islamic fascism. And he doesn't use the word Islamo-fascism anymore. None. He won't talk about it. He says it's an ideological struggle, but he doesn't tell you who we're struggling against, which is why we're going to lose the war, because we've lost it already. Giuliani urged to back anti-quota laws to win conservative support. I would say har, har, hardy, har, har. To help win over skeptical conservatives, Republican presidential hopeful Rudy Giuliani, in no relationship to Ed Jew, should support state ballot initiatives. <laughs> I'm sorry should support state ballot initiatives against racial and sexual discrimination, says a prominent civil rights activist. Well, he's right. Ward Connolly is back in the news, I guess, and he's right. But you know that Rudy Giuliani is a big city liberal. He's never going to do it. Now go on my website because I've got two great stories up there that I am going to talk about now that I've warmed myself up to a certain extent. First, got to find michaelsavage.com. It's way down on my favorites list here. Here it is. Killings cast light on an Italian mob was the headline that was up earlier. This was a headline in this morning's Los Angeles Times with one of the most stunning photographs I've seen in a long time. It's of grieving widows, mothers and grandmothers in Calabria, in a a town in Calabria. It's one of the most amazing stories that I have read about uh, gangsterism. Let's put it to you that way. Three coffins were delivered to a waiting town just before dusk. Old men and women, their tough-looking sons and their grieving neighbors, filled the main square and stood in near silence as church bells tolled and a police helicopter hovered above. And if you read the story, which I suggest you do over the weekend, I mean, it's amazing. Let's say you're interested in The Sopranos. Let's put it in Americans, the American parlance. The Sopranos are chicken feed compared to these guys, according to this story. According to this story, the Calabrese have overtaken the Sicilians in this, in this uh, field of endeavor. And they've gone out of drug trading into gun running and weapons smuggling as the new big money. And the reason the story made it to the front of the L.A. Times is because there was a machine gun execution in law in, excuse me, in uh, Germany last week where one gang of Calabrese killed another gang of Calabrese because someone in that gang of Calabrese had accidentally killed the wife of one of them while trying to kill him. And this has gone on back and forth. So you got to read this because you'll see what the priest says in the town. You'll see what the mothers of some of the slain men or boys say that we don't want any vendetta here because the whole town will be wiped out. But uh, it's an amazingly well-written story, to be frank with you. To the right on michaelsavage.com for your reading edification is this underpriced at $100 million. And you'll see pictures of some of the most stunning $100-plus estates in the United States of America. And they're worth looking at. There's one in Lake Tahoe. There's one in uh, Bel Air, California. There's uh, a whole story about how the upper-end market is has not been touched, really, by the downturns that we're seeing in the, in the lower end of the market. Two years ago, at the peak of the real estate boom, only a handful of homes in the United States had ever been listed for $75 million, let alone $100 million. Even the highest residential sale to date, Investor Ron Barron's $103 million purchase earlier this year of a 40-acre compound in East Hampton, New York, was never publicly listed. The deal was so secret that the brokers weren't named. And they talk about the five contenders for the current prize, including uh, a Beverly Hills compound once owned by William Randolph Hearst and Marion Davies that's listed for $165 million. Uh, The Aspen home of Saudi Prince Bandar bin Sultan. 
135 million, and an estate overlooking Lake Tahoe with a staircase my left of the one aboard the Titanic at 100 million. All have come on the market since summer of 06. And of course, none of us can afford these houses, but it's beautiful to see that the rich are getting richer and that everybody feels good above this certain watermark. And it's an interesting read to see that there's a couple of different Americas. And uh, that's all the pictures are nice. But I want to ask you something. You know, when you think about a house like this, 100 million plus, would you want to own it? I mean, do you know what it's like to staff a house like that? Do you have any idea what it is to keep a house like that running? Do you know how many people you need to have working for you? Do you have any idea what kind of security you need to live there? I mean, is it tranquil or does it create its own ferment? In other words, at a certain point, the tranquility you're going to buy by walling yourself off in a large estate is counteracted uh, by the amount of staff you need to run it and the and the risk you run with the staff you bring into your own home. You follow me or not? Why am I doing Now, let's go back to old rock and roll. No one cares about these stories. It's dead in the water. It's late August at the Hotel Savage here. This is Savageito's way. Used to be known as the Savage Nation, but after the protest, I have changed the name of the song to Savageito's Way, and that is going to be the new name of the show. I want to be more appropriate for the illegal aliens in this country so they don't think I'm a bad guy. And so in honor of Savageito's Way, we're going to play Padavivia, go to break, come back and take your calls. Not yet, though, because right now what I'm going to do, because I want to do it, is go to Los Angeles to 830 on the dial. By the way, if you read, uh, if you're in L.A., and you forget where to find me. I know it's very hard because it's like in between this station and that station. After I go off the air, it switches to Mexican. I am live 8.30 on the dial, 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. on the great KLAA. And I've been all over the buses down there. Let's go to that station right now in Los Angeles. MJ, go ahead, please. Dr. Savage, I'm just another woman calling in who's in love with you. I think you're fabulous. You're nothing but a fabulous brain. I respect your education. And I like Donovan's, it's like Donovan's brain on the radio. Listen to you all the time. I even listen to your Ravens in the middle of the night. <laughs> oh, that you really, you, that you really have it bad down there. LA can't be that devoid of human beings. You know, Dr. Savage, I'm an RN. I went back to school working full time, got my bachelor's, my master's degree. I totally respect the amount of education you have. I could sit and listen to you around the clock. I well, wish MJ, you- let me ask you, are doctors today like they were, like with uh, Ben Casey in the 50s? Remember, it was a TV. I don't know. How old are you? Uh, uh, I'd like to say 25, but I can't say that. All right. So you're over 30. Do you remember the series in the 1950s, or did you ever hear it called Ben Casey, MD? Yes, I do. All right. That, that show... Uh, popularized being a doctor for thousands upon thousands of people wanted to be a doctor because that show glorified a doctor. And it was a very good show, and it drove a lot of good people into medicine. Today, unfortunately, there are no shows driving young men or women into uh, any field of any nobility whatsoever. It teaches them to go into fields where they can make a quick buck or whatever, and I don't need to go down that road. But are the doctors that you meet today, the younger ones, more like Ben Casey or more like uh, the type that would cut out an organ and sell it on the side? Wow, that's a lot of Hold on. Think about it. I'll get back to me in a minute. I flew back from Area 51. I'm in Area 52. Cars, planes, cars, dogs with me. I had Teddy and Tasha with me, incidentally, in my hidden location. It's the only reason I was able to survive. I mean, eating that old food that I found and sleeping on the mat wasn't too good. But I'm back now to Area 52, and uh, the fact of the matter is 
I'll, I'll tell you when I come back. Savage. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Let's see, what do we have on the website here? I got told you already where I am in L.A. It's a big market. I mean, they should know where I am in between. I'm stuck between uh, Mexican baseball after me, and uh, I don't even know who comes before me, but it's a great station. I mean, uh, that's where I am. Investigators recommend dropping charges against another Haditha Marine. That is good. Another Marine that was set up for a fall by Tim McGurk of Time Magazine, in my opinion. And Jack Murtha, who is the biggest pork barrel recipient in Congress, who needs to be investigated, along with his cohorts who are uh, in the war profiteering business. And in order to throw the uh, people off their track, they picked on these poor expendables. You know, the real Marines, as opposed to that fat piece of garbage, phony fake Marine Jack Murtha, the big hero in his own mind. Remember when Jack Murtha started all this accusation business, all of the lib, the lib spineless scum? who would uh, probably drop their drawers if a backfire occurred from a car going by. Oh, they were, oh, he's an actual Marine. You know, he, he, he fought in Vietnam. He's a real Marine. Oh, he knows he knows that they did. Oh, he's a real Marine. We like this Marine because he's a turncoat. He's our kind of guy. That's the kind of Marine we like. He's a turncoat Marine. Not those other yucky ones from the South who actually shoot and kill the enemy. No, we like a turncoat slob Marine who makes money. That's our kind of guy. You think it's funny? I won't rest until Jack Murth is in a pair of handcuffs if he is tried and found guilty. But why would the Republicans not investigate Jack Murth when he's the biggest recipient of pork barrel spending in the United States Congress? Why is it that these schmuck Republicans permit their own members to go to jail like a real war hero, uh, uh, such as the one who's got, got away, put away for eight years? Eight years, and he took chump change compared to the what's going on on the Democrat side. Does anyone remember his name? Who am I talking about from San Diego? Duke Cunningham? The guy was like, uh, he took chump change, a busted Rolls Royce that Marvin the dentist wouldn't drive in Detroit. A busted Rolls Royce worth about nine grand he took from the guy who was smearing him off. And a house swap that made him a couple of hundred grand. And for that, he went away eight years because he did it stupidly. Why? Because Duke Cunningham was a real honest to goodness American hero who was seduced by a fork-tongued defense contractor. Yeah, he committed a crime, but not eight years' worth. And you know who did this to him? The U.S. attorney down there did this to him, and I hope they fired that U.S. attorney. I hope she was one of the vicious ones thrown out in her keister, because she was anti-military and anti-American. I know who it was. I won't even mention her name, because you'll take it as a racial thing, when it has nothing racial involved at all. It's all political. My point is that Duke Cunningham gets put away for eight years. He's the Republican, blah, blah, blah. And you got Democrats now doing business that make what he did nothing, and there's no investigation. Why is that? Because the Republicans really have no power, and the Republicans don't even have the ability to not only run their own party, but to run this country. They truly don't. You see what I'm saying? No? Rick, WOR, welcome to the Savage Nation. Go ahead, please. Yes, sir. The approval rating of Congress is down to 28% or lower, and... It's all because of you, and I love everything you say against them. <laughs> yeah, right. It's all because of me. Well, no, it's lower than Bush. I know that. People said to me, Bush has an approval rating of 32%. I said, no, that's his IQ at dinner last night. <laughs> they said, no, it's his approval rating. I said, no, it's his IQ. Yeah. And uh, but I said, but if you think his IQ is 32, I said, the IQ of Congress is 14. 
Nancy Pelosi has single-handedly destroyed the reputation of the U.S. Congress. Savage. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. People deserve to know that their presidency is not for sale, the Lincoln bedroom is not for rent, and lobbyist money can no longer influence policy in the House <laughs> or the Senate. The problem with nostalgia <laughs> is what we tend to do. Turn this bum off, will you? Only rem- Here's John Edwards, one of the biggest uh, trial lawyers in American history to pull the, try to pull the wool over the American people. See, this guy got away with this. He had toothless people, like deliverance people in juries. He handpicked them. So you get a kid born with a cleft palate. He gets people, and anyone with an IQ higher than two digits, he would throw off the jury. He would get the people out of uh, shacks up in the uh, uh, Smoky Mountains, and he'd bring them in. And he'd say, now, this here sh- cleft palate was not caused by God because God is good. God doesn't cause cleft palates. This was caused by this evil, evil, evil Jewish doctor over there run by this evil hospital owned by Jews. And I want to tell you that the only way to get this child with this cleft palate, some modicum of justice, is to get those evil Jewish doctors, get them and get them good. Next, I'm not doing this for me. And he did this over and over again, made hundreds of millions of dollars for himself. The kid with the cleft palate probably got, uh, I don't know what, very little. And now he's up there as the outsider. Listen to clip 15 if you want a real laugh. It's controlled by big corporations, the lobbyists they hire to protect <laughs> their bottom line, and the politicians who curry their favor and carry their Can water. Can you believe this? It's perpetuated by a media. Uh, shut up. Too often shut up. You know, you're stealing my lines, and I resent it. Okay. You're not in the talk radio business. You're trying to present yourself as an as an outsider all of a sudden because your campaign has gone up in flames. Your campaign has had lighter fluid poured on it, and you threw the match on it yourself. And, you know, the same thing with McCain. I told you that when McCain-Kennedy came along with the uh, immigration reform, I said not only would McCain uh, – I, I said McCain is going to lose the Senate seat, which he should. He's a turncoat. McCain, if this was the uh, Re- Revolutionary War, would have worn the coat, the, the red coat. He would have – suddenly switched from being an American fighting the British to fighting with the British against the Americans. He would have fought against the home team. That's what McCain did. Don't tell me about him being hung from the rafters in Vietnam anymore. That's a long time ago. I'm sorry it happened to him. It shouldn't have happened to him, but it did. But the fact of the matter is this man inherited Barry Goldwater's conservative seat in Arizona, and he disgraced the name of Barry Goldwater. And also, I'm sorry to tell you, this is not easy for me to say a northern white boy an immigrant son at that, that McCain destroyed his family's name going back three generations because he came from a very distinguished military family. I I would think that they're ashamed of what he did to them by taking the side of the uh, foreign government called Mexico and the agribusiness or whoever it was who got to him. You know, the guy didn't even do it for money. He didn't do it out of corruption. He just did it because he's stupid. To be honest with you, that's my opinion. All right, let me take some callers. Did you like my pantomime of Edwards? Did, you, did anyone enjoy that today in the audience? You came into the tent. It's thin. It's thin. It's thin. Late August, you know, I've, I've, t- I've told you my, my mental picture of, of the radio audience. It's a gigantic tent, humongous, like the Yankee Stadium with a tent top on it. And uh, at, any, at any moment, there's like about a million people in this tent every quarter hour. I think that's the latest number. AQH is about a million. So you figure there's, it's not like a million people, the same million. They come in and out of the tent over the period of the show, the course of the show. Some sit, you can't pull up. They get white knuckles on the wooden chair. You can break their hands. They wouldn't get out of the chair. 
Others are outside the tent mocking me, saying, yeah, what are you going in there? That crackpot, I wouldn't go in there. But they're listening through the tent every day. I'm not going to go in there. I don't like him. I, I, no, no, no. I, I like, I like, lib. I'm a liberal. You know, I wouldn't go in that place. No, no, I'm not going to go in there. But every day they're outside, they're, they're telling everyone why they shouldn't go in and listen to me. But they're, they're listening to me through the tent. And I guess the strangest thing happened is eventually they realize that I'm right. And I remind them of the uncle that they hated because the uncle was right and they were wrong. They thought that by getting gelled hair and exercising, they would be cool and taking on global warming, liberalism and the Prius that they'd meet a, a pretty, a pretty girl. But after the hair plugs and all, there's still a schmuck named Marty from Brooklyn who can't get a date. So at the end of the day, the hair plugs fell out. They put on 30 pounds and they realized that their uncle Morty was right. And they go in the tent and they become a listener. <laughs> it's not bad. I'm trying to tell you that there's a big audience out there. You're not alone. Paul in Oregon, Nikki on KXL. Welcome to the Savage Nation. Yes, Michael Savage. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you. Please, this is a family show. In a state that is uh, everything wrong with the United States, Oregon. The and United I States of Oregon. You say you've seen what's wrong with Oregon or... I, I believe Oregon is everything that represents uh, what is wrong with the whole United States and the way of thinking. Is this a real voice? It sounds like uh, Johnny Philip Morris. Johnny no, Ribeiro. You're not related to jo You're not related to Johnny Ribeiro, are you, the call for Philip Morris guy? Play that for a minute. Hold on. Stay on the phone. Play Johnny Philip Morris. Call for Philip Morris. <laughs> All right. Now, now, please, Nikki, please speak. Well, I, just want to I swear to God, I'm going to I'm going to collapse. You're like you're like a descendant of Johnny Ribeiro. God rest his soul. The Philip Morris guy. Are you sure? Is you, do you have a family name anywhere near Ribeiro? No, I sure don't. <laughs> OK, you're a good sport. Go on, please. Well, I just wanted to let you know you have and I know you're you're a modest guy, but you have absolutely uh, just changed my life. Uh, I was introduced to you by my a friend of my dad's and I'm only 28. So I'm a young woman in your demographic. And, um, you know, it's just this whole illegal immigration thing. And this culture war is, is making is that what finally turned you. Let me ask you, do you have a ponytail? I do have a ponytail right now. <laughs> All right, because I'm sending you a, a Savage Nation hat, and you, you, you got to make me one promise. You'll take the ponytail and pull it through the back of the hat where the thing goes under, and you'll wear it. Will you wear it out in Portland, or are you afraid of the liberals? You know, I would, I would wear two of them if I could. You can't I'm wear it to work? They don't let you take it to the massage parlor? Well, you know, believe it or not, I'm a social worker here in Oregon. Wait a minute. Don't think I'm against. I started out as a social worker in New York. That's when I became, that's when I stopped being a little liberal. When I saw the grifters on the Upper West Side, you know, the apartments were all uh, run down by that point, And they had all of the immigrants living in there from a certain uh, island of Puerto Rico had uh, inhabited it at that time. And uh, many of them were on welfare. And I was a welfare worker because I spoke Spanish very well at that time. I understood what was going on, even though they thought I was a white boy and I didn't get it. But I remember one day I came in, you ring the bell. Yeah, who is it? Welfare investigator. They didn't call it social worker. My day was welfare investigator. The whole object was to catch fraud. You understand? So I come in, and first of all, the woman was not supposed to be married because it was aid to dependent, aid for women with dependent children or whatever, wick, I don't know what. Meanwhile, I see a pair of shoes, like a size 14 in the closet. So I said to her, I, uh, whose shoes are those? She says, well, a painter was here, and he left them. All right. Now, in those days, you weren't allowed to have a telephone if you were on welfare. I'm talking to her, taking notes, and the bed starts to ring. I said, your bed is ringing. You ought to answer it. 
But I saw the racket from top to bottom, Nikki, and that's what started to wake me up as to what was going on in this country. Stay on the phone. I'm sending you a Savage Nation hat. That's all. Now play call for Philip Morris again. I want to hear that. Just for a sec. That's all. He killed my father. That's why I played. Not personally. No, I didn't have a vendetta and a fight in the Lower East Side. He was a after all. Uh, although my father was not a particularly big man, I'm sure he could have taken him, you know, but I'm not, I don't mean that because he, I don't still to this day understand the psychology of why would a in a bellhop's uniform have been used to sell cigarettes, number one, and what was the psychology that attracted that imagery to a male to smoke those cigarettes? Is there a psychologist in the house who could explain what is it? If you smoke Philip Morris to that generation, you became shorter. Or if you smoke Philip Morris, you wouldn't be as short as Johnny Ribeiro. I don't understand it. I don't know how he made a buck. I can't figure out that psychology. I'm fairly good at figuring out what motivates people, but I can't look back and understand why. Every time this came out, this short guy came out, uh, uh, whatever, diminutive, whatever they called him. He was pretty good with the, the, the cruises and the women, I heard, by the way, in his biography, God Rest the Soul. They said he was a first-class guy, made a lot of money as that in that uh, act. And they spent it the right way. He uh, bought, They said he liked cabin cruises and tall women. Well, uh, that would be any woman. That's like saying George Bush has an approval rating of 32%. It's pretty high compared to Congress in that sense. Austin, Texas. Laura, you're on the Savage Nation. I fell in love with you the moment I heard you. And this thing about the... I think men uh, feel, uh, well, much bigger or larger standing next to him. Wait a minute. Hold on. So in other words... If the is saying call for Philip Morris in, in those days, a man bought Philip Morris cigarettes to feel taller than the Oh, uh, maybe not necessarily taller. Something else. Uh, uh, on a, what, on a, on, on a sexual level? More powerful than the Something like that. The so there was a sexual innuendo in Johnny Philip Morris's ads? Unconsciously and subconsciously, this was not, no one would want to admit it. Well, look, let's take it on another level. We know that the Marlboro man appealed to women, right? Because he was a sexy cowboy before Brokeback Mountain destroyed the cowboy image and turned them into a San Franciscans. Yeah. And we know, the, you know, the, the riding the Bronco and all of that. So, you know, okay, if you smoked the Marlboro, it was the equivalent of getting a boyfriend who could ride a, a pony or something. And the women liked it. Mainly women smoked Marlboro in those days. But what in the world was the appeal of a I don't understand the positive on it. Anyone is bigger than a Anyone is bigger than a And probably the uh, the male organ, anybody's male organ would probably be bigger than the But then again, I don't know anything about anatomy of a All right, No, this is a family show. We're adults. There's nothing uh, crude in what you're saying. Now, you're calling me from Austin, Texas. And on my screen, it says, Savage is her animus. Could you explain that? Uh, I'll try. Uh, I, like I said, I fell in love with you probably within minutes after I heard heard you about three years ago, and and I'm a rational person, and I just don't go around falling in love with people I don't know, and it and and it, it has continued, and I listen to you uh, just about. But what is it? I remind you of somebody that you knew in a brief passing affair, or what? Okay, no. Uh, it's, I, I, I have a degree in anthropology and psychology, like you. And you know, Young. Young is not your favorite person. I understand. He sold out. He sold out. Yes, Young sold out to the Nazis. Young took Freud's chair. Young was a first-class sob and an evil man. 
Nevertheless, some, some of the Jungian analysis made sense to me, although I'm more interested in Adler than I am in either Jung or Freud. So do you practice psychology? Oh, no. I'm, just, I'm a graduate student, and I kind of took a break because of all the lesbian politics in college, but I'm coming back. Oh, boy, you got it real bad down in Austin, and Austin's as bad as San Francisco, isn't it, Lori? Oh, uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty bad. It's, uh, there's a lot of... Uh, uh, All right, stay on the line. Lori and I are going to continue our conversation. She says that she thinks I'm her animus. We're going to find out what that is. It is not a dirty word. I'll be right back. Savage. Home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. A savage republic inside the plot to destroy America lays out the threats we face, prepare you for what's next, and offer solutions to save our republic. Please wake up and fight back before it is too late. You can buy it right now on Amazon or on bondsandnoble.com. A Savage Republic, Inside the Plot to Destroy America by Michael Savage. Thank you for listening. Share it with five others. Imagine being a, a Hollywood starlet, a Coke charger ready for the fifth time and they let her out of jail in an hour. Now, what would you do if you were a minority kid who got caught with a joint and put in jail for 30 days. What would you do if you're a minority kid, got caught with cocaine, you put away for three years? Would you think there's a, a two-tier justice system in America? It's disgusting. Lori, Austin, Texas, welcome back to the program. Hi. Uh, the animus represents the masculine characteristics in a female, according to Young, and then there's the anima, which uh, represents... Please, the, um, please, Lori, this is a family show with it. I'm trying my best. I'm joking. It's just that your southern accent could have been interpreted anima in another way. And I live in San Francisco, so it's a sensitive word. Yeah. And uh, my point is, is that I, I, you, you are, I think you're my, you're my, you're the male part of me because there. Uh-oh. This is a bordering on play misty for me. <laughs> <Where'd> <laughs> be are you, I, aren't you happily married or you have a no boyfriend? No, I'm not married, and uh, no, I'm not married. But how how did you avoid getting, uh, if you're so intelligent, how did you um, avoid so far not finding somebody if you have a brain? Well, I have found somebody. I lost somebody through death, and then I, uh, a divorce. So maybe it's just time I hang it up. I, all right, look, these things happen. Yeah. But, you know, you don't, you, here's the thing, Lori. Remember, I'm a radio voice. You don't know who the person is. All you know is the voice. And the beauty of radio, Lori, and everyone else listening, and I said it to the, on the show yesterday, is that radio is amazing because you can't see me. All you can do is imagine me. And therefore, you create a fiction attached to the voice. Do you understand the power of radio and the magic of radio? Yes, it's very magical. It's magical, and that's how it should remain. It's like every... See, the, here's the problem with real life and why I love radio so much. I'm always disappointed in real life on every level because real life is tough. But the imagination is unlimited in what it can conceive. It can scare you, but it can also give you great, you know, hope as well, because it's all imaginary. You follow me? Yeah. And so, therefore, sometimes certain things are best kept in the imagination. Right. Right. Absolutely. So oh, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad that you imagine that you like me. No, no, I like you because, uh, well, you know what? How can I not like you? You How can you not? Right. How can you not like the persona I project on the radio? It's not a persona. It's more of a spiritual thing. Um, 
Well, as long as I'm not a persona non gratis in your mind, that's good enough for me. But this can become obsessive if you're not careful. And it sounds like it has already. And I do become obsessive, but I I, I won't do that. No, I'm trying to keep it. Do you have pictures of me all over the house, like with pins in it and all of that? (laughs) No, (laughs) No, I'm just testing. This is fun for me because I never did this. So, I mean, you don't have a whole wall with, like, Savage here, like, everywhere from the Internet, the different faces of Savage and, like, all sorts of, like, pictures around the room, nothing like that? I create pictures with you on in the background. I I paint, and every now and then when I need something special and, uh, you know, sometimes, most of the time I listen to music, but every now and then I need some Savage. All right. Well, I'm glad that I fill that role. Well, Lori... You can certainly send your pictures to the guys, and I'll get them, and, you know, I would enjoy that. I'm going to send you a free copy of my DVD. Have you got that already, the Freedom of Speech DVD? Yeah. Oh, you've, seen, you've seen the one of me with the speech and everything talking by the water? Oh, I would love to see that. Oh, well, you're getting a free copy. Stay on the line, and thank you very much. Oh, okay. San Diego, Tom, on the now. Tom, go ahead, please. Why does the work in the cigarette ad? Well, to me, I think it's not the that that the psychology is based on. It's the is it the audience that he's talking to. I vi- I visualize sort of like uh, him walking into a country club with these rich hoity-toity types, and he's serving them their cigarettes. And the well, he wa- right. Well, the ad for Philip Morris in those days was in fact a man who did come in. You're right with a little tray in a club or a fancy hotel, and he would say, "Call for Philip Morris." Like he was a man. So in other words, when a man reached for that cigarette, he thought he was being served by a, a in a hotel. I'm a man feel important or wealthy. or I see. it. Yeah, well, of course. So poorer men who had no, no one working for them in that capacity felt that they could get over on Johnny. Poor Johnny. Well, I don't know. I'm just if this was an advertising class, we would analyze this. Is there an advertising student out there? Do they still adver- look at ads from the old days that worked and why? I would love to look into that. Thank you, Tom, for that call. Hmm. <laughs> Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Donna, you're next up. Go ahead, please. 30 seconds or less. Hi, Dr. Savage. You got me out of a ticket, and I want How? to thank you. How? I, I called you. I euthanized my dad May 19th. She was 16 years old last year. You euthanized your dad May 16th? My dad. Your dad? I'm sorry. You see, again, it's, it's a regional accent thing. Sorry. I she said I... anima. I thought it was enema. You said dog. I thought you said dad. Savage. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.